chewing gum for the mind where you're just you're enjoying it but it's not really contributing to any nutrition uh, it's not helping you forward but the best stories are timeless and they tell us something about ourselves one of the stories that we misuse frequently and we don't apply as we should is a horrible story the story of lot but before i get there i want to talk to you about one of my favorite things in life before COVID hit several years back and ruined it for a while. Who knows what will come back, but it was a buffet. I can remember the first time that I actually saw a buffet and it was called a smorgasbord at the time. And I didn't know what that word meant. And my dad told me that that meant that you could go through and just pick out whatever you wanted. I was very excited before I found out that that meant I could pick what he wanted me to pick, but it started well. And as we laid our trays on this, we started to move. I can remember they, we, they first had a bunch of jello and salads. And I would start to reach out and dad would go, no, 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 that's how they get you. You fill up on the cheap stuff, you know. And then, so you had to go down through and get the more expensive stuff. But you know what it's like to get in a buffet. Those of you that have um, tried, you know you can't eat everything. I mean, you can try, mind, but you're, you're just not going to do it. You get your tray. And you, you go through and you, after a while, go, all right, um, I need to come back for that. And most of the time you don't because you get too full or somebody got it before you. But you, we all know there's a limit there. But buffets are really a metaphor for life. You can go through life, you get your trait. A young man might say, well, I, I like a wife, please. Um, I like some kids. I like to have a good job. Go and put the good job on there. Good job can sometimes endanger wife and kids. It's kind of like if you um, if you have mashed potatoes, you have to put a hole in the middle of it before you put the gravy because you don't want the gravy to escape and damage something else. So you got to, you know, things on the tray can hurt other things on the tray. And those of you that would go to a buffet and pick up beets, you know who you are, know by now that you have to corral them somehow in their own separate area or that radioactive purple juice will leach elsewhere. And it's the same with life. The job, we got to make sure the job doesn't interfere too much with the wife and the kids, but it's got to be a good job because I also want vacations and I want to be able to go to sporting events and buy good seats. And I'd like to have cars. Um, so maybe a minivan for the wife because, you know, I don't want to drive that. Maybe a sports car for me so the kids don't have to, you know, they can't ride with me. But you start piling on. And then by the, you get near the end of the line and you think, oh, church, God, um, I'm sorry. I'm going to get to that. That's also the way we tend to do our finances. We'll grab our tray and say, I want this, this, that, and the other. And then we'll go, oh, yeah, there's church. But by the time we're down there, uh, that's why... In Protestant circles, uh, the average member only gives about 2%. So not a tithe. They waited. And they didn't put God at the front of the line. They waited until the tray was full. So what does that have to do with Lot? Oh, a great deal. We know Lot was Abraham's nephew. And we know that whenever he was given the choice to take this land or that land... He took the good land. He, that, was show, that was selfish, of course. But in a pre-Christian world, it shouldn't stun us that people didn't act like Christians. He was, you know, really? Mountains or the fertile plain? I'll take the fertile plain, thank you. 
far more significant was where Lot chose to cast his tents. A, um, a good Old Testament phrasing for meaning to make his home. He pitched his tents near Sodom and Gomorrah, towns that were already known as lawless and dangerous. But they were full of potential for the enterprising entrepreneur. And here's where we must stress a point. Lot chose to put something on his tray that was going to put the other stuff in danger. A location that would allow him to have power and allow him to have an easy life, money, and it endangered his family. It endangered his own character. It might surprise you, for all the things we've said about Lot, that the Bible calls him a righteous man in the New Testament. He was a righteous man, but he endangered his family by putting the wrong thing on the tray. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we go through this. What is on your tray that is endangering your family or choking out time and money for God. We go farther. He chose this business and environment. It was a selfish thing. But if you were to really question him and get him off to the side, he would have said, no, no, this was so my family could have a good and rich life. Years later, God sends three angels into the area. They're there to scout out the land and to see whether the rumors and the cries coming up about Sodom and Gomorrah and their mistreatment of the, the traveler, their inhospitality, their, their lack of love and care for the poor, as Ezekiel would put it, uh, if that was really true. So one of the angels turns out to be more than an angel, and he speaks to Abraham, and he leaves. The other two go into Sodom, and they enter Lot's house. Now, they don't just do that. They come up to the gates of the city, and their Lot is sitting at the gates of the city. That meant something back in that day. That meant he was one of the rulers of the city. He was an official. He had status. That, those are the only ones allowed to sit at the gate. His earthly goals had succeeded. His career had taken off. He knew the town was dangerous, and so whenever he saw these two men, he immediately offered shelter and protection to them. That's, that's a rule and has always been in the Middle East that you offer shelter. But once you offer shelter, that means everybody knows they're under your protection and that you, they are to leave them alone. So Lot sees, he knows these guys are going to be in trouble. So he gets them and says, here, stay at my house. They eventually agree to do so. Evil men in a town encircle Lot's home and demand that the men be thrown out to them for their entertainment. Lot tried to protect them. They told Lot to gather uh, any, uh, the angels, turn to him and say, listen, this is not going to end well. You need to gather whatever's important to you and be ready to flee. Now think about that. You know this. You've, we're, we're blessed people. And, and uh, those of you in other countries that are not so blessed we really wish that you were, and we're going to do what we can to get that blessing to you. But we have holidays where the food, you can't eat everything you want to eat. And they'll even come the time where they'll say, do you have room for dessert? Think about how blessed you are that we are asking you, have you had so much wonderful food that you can no longer eat dessert? 
or would you like to wait a couple of hours so that you can redo what you feel like right now? We've all been there. And they will have a selection of desserts. You ever watch kids at a church social or a buffet like that and they see the selection? Oh my, it's very hard to choose, especially when your parents say you can only have this much or that much. You always get people say, I'll have a little of each. And then afterwards, they'll always say, I shouldn't have done that. And then they'll do it again next time, every time. But regardless, he had put too much on his tray. And some of the things on the tray didn't want to leave. His family, no, are you, this is our house. We have comfort. We have friends. We have entertainments. We have diversions. We have sports. We have, we have extra clothes. We have fine foods. Do, outside the gates is barrenness. We're doing well here. They didn't want to go. The angel said, you've got to get them out. It was a struggle. In fact, his daughters are married to young men. They were in the house too. And they all laughed at Lot for believing in God's judgment. They didn't understand. Why would you make us give up all this stuff for two strangers? But at daybreak, the angels made their move. Lot hesitated, so they grabbed him. They grabbed his hands and the hands of his wife. They grabbed the unmarried daughters and you know, the married daughters left behind and then moved him out and run through the city. The angels got him out and then said, quote, run now, flee for your lives, get away from all the cities of this area and into the mountains or you will be swept away. Lot begged not to have to leave all the cities. All my comforts, all my stuff. What am I going to do without my stuff? Think about that. We'll often say that we're not, we're not really greedy people, but look at our stuff and how much stuff we have. And we even complain about it. we don't have enough room for our stuff. One of the things that, and, and this to me is, is a relatively new development. I mean, I've seen storage units all my life. But massive, multi-story storage units are popping up all over where I live. And the roads up where I drive, up to the office and around the office, it's just, I keep wondering, where, wh what is this stuff? Now, it could be some very legitimately needed to get it off and into us. I, I get that. I'm not saying anybody's sinning by using it. I'm just saying we really don't want to let go of our stuff, even if we have to put it somewhere and pay a monthly fee for it to be somewhere else. So can you understand why Lot didn't want to all of a sudden become a poor person living out in the mountains away from the city, the very mountains he had said he didn't want to live in many years before when he chose this place? The angel finally said, okay, you can run to that little city, Zoar. But saying, by asking, it shows me you're really not yet understanding about the tray. That you put something on the tray that endangered the rest and you're still not seeing it. You need to remove some things and put God's authority there. Lot's wife was even less ready to put God in control. And she gets a real good kicking by some theologians and storytellers. But I, I get it. 
she never was raised around the temple and the sacrifices, and she didn't know anything about Jesus. What she knew was her husband was saying, let's leave our position of power and influence and go be nomads, and we won't know where our next meal comes from. What woman is going to go, okay, sounds good to me. She tarried in the plane and looked back longingly. She was consumed in the blast from heaven. That area to this very day smells like bitumen, um, asphalt, freshly poured. It stinks of the of tar and that sort of oily smoke and air. It has, for a very long time, I don't know the geology behind it, it still has earthquakes, shudders. Um, the Dead Sea is out there, which is the lowest point on planet Earth. And it also is so salty that people, tourists go and they get into it. They cautioned very heavily, don't get any in your mouth. But it's so salty, you can't sink. You float on top of it. It is devoid of life. Why did all this happen? Because Lot wanted to provide for his family. And because of the choices he made in providing for them ended up killing most of them. And the rest were on the run. It would lead to drunkenness, incest, and then the beginning of tribes like the Moabites and the Ammonites that would have an unceasing war against the children of Abraham. Tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy because a man wanted to provide for his family but did so without God at the center. We can look all around us and say, wow, glad there's not anything like that going on today, but we'd be fools to say so. Souls are bought and sold every day for pennies. We, uh, in fact, one of the prophets even says, you've sold the poor for a pair of shoes because we need more for us and the money for the poor, the money for the prisoners, the money for God's work. That's, that doesn't make it on a tray. Or if it does, it makes it after the stuff. All the stuff. We yell at people and have fights with people about money. We, we argue that we're being gouged here or that that repair shouldn't cost that much. And by doing so, make sure that there's a barrier between us and that person that we will never be able to speak to them about Jesus. We'll never be able to talk to them about the love of God and about how sweet it is to trust in Jesus because we've shown them what we trust in and what our priorities are. And it's not good. I've never understood the appeal of some things which are very wonderful ways to spend a day to many people. Garage sales. Yard sales. First of all, I didn't understand the concept of a garage sale. I was thinking, really? You don't need this anymore? How much you take for it? Then I found out what it really meant. Yard sales don't mean yard either. Uh, in European countries, if they do something like that, it's called a boot sale because it's out of the trunk of a car. They just open the trunk of a car. These little cars, little trunks, that's their extra stuff they're willing to sell. Uh, and by the way, most well, they have the reputation of boot sales being places to get stuff that fell off the back of a truck, if you get my drift, perhaps stolen or of questionable provenance. Regardless, when you walk up to something in a garage sale, and it might have a sticker on it that says a dollar, you know that the rule is not to pay a dollar. 
that you're supposed to offer something insultingly low, walk away, come back. It is the closest we get to a Middle Eastern market. It's not that close, but we, we understand the bargaining. And we'll say, what would you take for it? You know, if I get this and this, what would you take for it? Let me ask you something. What would you take for it? What would you take for peace? What would you trade your peace for? What would you trade your children for? What would you trade a relation, a good relationship with your wife or husband for? Or if you're unmarried, what would you, what would you choose? What would you take for your relationships, for your neighbors? I know it's a hard question. What would you, what would you put on the tray? Is there something on your tray that's endangering the other stuff on the tray? Sometimes taking that higher job means that you won't be around your kids as much. So who's now really parenting the kids? Our devices, electronics, strangers. Who's, who's influencing them? We, uh, we marvel at our two children who are now fully grown adults and who have children of their own, how they're raising in this very dangerous time and the, the way that they're raising them. And it just amazes us because they didn't learn this from us. We were just kids when we had kids and, and trying to figure out how to raise them was a day-by-day -day series of uh, blunders and wonders at the same time. Well, they have rules about devices. They have rules about phones. They have rules about being outside. They have rules about all this. And they do this because, yeah, it'd be a lot easier sometimes to not have to engage with the kid, but to hand them something that they can engage with strangers. But is what are you going to take for that child? What are you going to take for this? What are you going to trade them for? It's, I'm told it's because people were bringing bad stuff to school back in the day, uh, drugs and such, and then guns and weapons of destruction. But now, when I was a boy, you would put your books under your seat. There's a little tray under your seat for your books. And you would take your, your homework home in one or two little notebooks. Now, some people had book bags or backpacks, but those weren't really well known. Most kids just had their notebooks stuffed with papers that they'd take home. But then we got lockers, a bunch of books, and you weren't supposed to take the books home. You're supposed to put them there that you didn't need. And now the kids have to take everything home. And you'll see this wee kid with a massive backpack on. And it's bad. Doctors have been sending up flares for, what, nearly 20 years about this, saying this is hurting their backs. It is permanently hurting their necks. It is twisting their spine. And yet... They put it in there, but I'm going to tell you something. There's only so much you can put back then that backpack before you begin to hurt yourself. You run out of room for anything else. What are you going to take? One of the rules for travelers, and I've lived my life traveling, not like a tourist, but I've lived my life traveling, is before you leave, put out all the clothes on your bed that you're going to take, and then put out all the money take half the clothes and twice the money. I've never seen it fail. People, uh, and I've done it too, come back with clothes you didn't use, but you hauled it, you carried it, 
you worried about it. Your stuff, stuff, stuff. You put stuff in there that didn't help you. Slowed you down. You didn't really need that. I hope you're already starting to apply this to your life. What's on your, your schedule that doesn't really need to be there? What is a habit that is sucking time out? And I love the Spanish word, you know, pasatiempo, for a hobby, a pastime, a way of spending time because that's what it is. Is it worth it? Is this really something you want on your tray? What space is it taking up? You know, on a menu, you can only choose so many items. And I, I've been with people that whenever they, uh, they get their food, they're happy until they see somebody else's food and they go, oh, I wish I would have gotten that. You know, I understand. That's what happens a lot in life too. Oh, I wish I'd made a different choice. I could have been that. I could have had that. I could have whatever. Can I watch that movie and still have a Christian son? Because he knows I'm going to watch it. Can I act or dress like that and still have a Christian influence upon others? Can I let my anger out and still tell people Jesus loves them? I've told the story before about how uh, we would have people that would come visit us in Scotland and then complain about it's always cold, the house is cold, the things are too expensive, and and I know it's quite the shock for them, but it wasn't like we were living somewhere in a mud hut and it offended people. And I said, you, you really need to pull back and not talk like this because yes, you can be upset that things cost three times what they, you thought they were going to cost, but keep that to yourself because the person who is offering to sell that to you didn't price the thing. They're a worker in a shop. Don't trade your ability to smile and give them love from Christ for a few pounds. Can I look over the buffet and see for once, not all the possibilities, but the fact that I cannot eat at all and be healthy and strong? Can I decide to not put something in my body that then I'm going to have to spend hours to work off. Can I look at life the same way too? As Christ put it, can out of one spring come fresh and bitter water? What are you putting in? What are you allowing that might endanger the good? How much time do I offer my family? That offer word is just awkward, isn't it? Because your family should be your life. And people will say, well, you know, it's not the quality of time, or rather the quantity of time that matters. It's the quality. Friends, we have studied this every single way we can study it, and that's dead wrong. Quantity matters. In fact, a great study was done where women who were in institutions because they were developmentally delayed, uh, Down syndrome, many of them, at various, and by the way, there's a whole spectrum of Down syndrome, but other issues as well, similar. And this is back in the day when we were able, we had orphanages where we could raise children that, that way. And these, they would bring over the babies and they would 
have one of these women take care of this baby. And then this one takes care of this baby. Highly supervised. But this study was done repeatedly. The women who cared for babies, their IQ went up. They did better. Most of them would end up graduating high school. A few had some college. This was unheard of. And by the way, we don't have a pill to make your IQ go up. Almost everything you can do in your life brings your IQ down. It doesn't raise it. You're, you're, you're born with the ceiling. Um, most of us never approach the ceiling. But this was just astounding. We found something that puts your IQ up. And the babies thrived. Now, was it quality time? Did they do flashcards on Viennese composers of classical music? No. Did they teach them art? No. They were just with them. Your presence makes some room on the tray because quantity matters. Can I work like I work and still claim that the thing I want most on my tray is God? Can I treat my wife, my husband, my children, my parents in this way and claim that I follow the God who defines himself as love? Or am I letting something else fill me up? Killing my influence with others, killing my opportunities, and killing my soul. The story of Lot is not about an evil man. And it's not about the evil men in the town. It's about what happens when a righteous man makes the wrong choices and puts on the tray of his life something that one, crowds out God, and two, endangers the other precious things he put on the tray. We need a life reset, and we need a, um, a soul check, because something's dead wrong. Christians are not looked upon as a source of peace and joy and love. Something's gone wrong. There are too many of us in, on the planet to have this little influence on our culture. I think we need to check our trays. I think we need to love our fathers, love our mothers, love our children. And I think we need to outlive and outlove the world. Give up your life for those you love, just as Jesus gave up his life for you. And then remember, he told you, love everybody and love your neighbor as yourself. Check your tray. Check your life. Don't, I'm not going to check it for you. And I would fight anybody that tries to go around being the, the tray checker. This is an individual decision. Pray, check, adjust, and repeat. Go with God. This song has a lot of meaning to me. If you have spent any time on the sea, around the sea, and you've seen lighthouses, you, 